You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Traditional multivitamins weren't doing women any favors, so Ritual reimagined one from the ground up. The result, essential for women, two daily capsules made with the nine essential nutrients most women lack. Essential for women, the future of vitamins is clear. And that's a little joke because you've probably seen the essential uh, for women vitamin on Instagram because it's very Instagrammable because it's clear. It's gorgeous, quite actually. And it is also good for you. From D3 to omega-3 ritual, essential for women fills the gaps in a woman's diet, all with a fresh minty flavor and no fishy aftertaste. Ritual as a company and as a product is traceable and transparent. For obsessive label readers, all of Ritual's vegan-friendly, sugar-free, gluten-free, and allergen-free ingredients and their sources are 100% out there for the whole world to see. And a subscription is easy to start and it's easy to snooze, which I have done, and they were actually just super quick about it and nice. And I, I don't know, like sometimes with some of these subscription services, they make it kind of tricky to, to get out of it. And I... I found it very refreshing, almost as refreshing as the minty flavor to not have to do that. Ritual is only a dollar a day to have all the essential nutrients your body needs delivered every month. So whether you're living life or creating it, they do have prenatal vitamins. Why not add some good looking science into your daily routine? Visit ritual.com slash friends to start your ritual today. That's ritual.com slash friends. Hi, it's Anna Marie Cox, and welcome to With Friends Like These, the show where we talk about the differences between us without letting them divide us. This week's show is a special live podcast recorded at the sixth annual Women Rule Summit, which is a production of Politico, Google, and the Tory Burch Foundation. And honestly, we probably could do a real Differences Between Us show about me and all of the other women there who were incredibly put together CEO types who wore their pashminas um, very elegantly uh, and all were just so together. <laughs> and I did not feel so together. Um, but fortunately, I wasn't there to to be together. I was there to be on stage with Anna Palmer, who's the host of the Women Rule podcast, and Piper Piribu, who you probably have heard of because she's been around for a while, ever since Coyote Ugly. Um, I feel like I've sort of grown up with her in more ways than one, perhaps. She is one of the most sincere activist I've talked to in a long time, and she had a lot of really interesting and unexpected things to say. I was really delighted to talk to her, and I think you will be delighted to hear this interview. And it is coming right up on With Friends Like These. Hello. 
We're to sit on the couch together. It's very exciting. I'm Anna Palmer. Uh, for those of you who are joining us and weren't here early in the morning, very excited to have so many people in the house. I'm here with uh, Anna Marie Cox, who's host of With Friends Like These, uh, the podcast. And we are holding a joint live podcast with actress and activist Piper Perabo. So thank you. <laughs> Throughout the day, we've heard from women taking action on the campaign trail, changing narratives in business and the arts and Hollywood. And I wanted to talk to Piper, because we were chatting on the phone, uh, I guess last week now, uh, about kind of your transformation from actress to what you now consider activist, and how it was a series of aha moments that kind of got you there. Walk us through that transformation. Uh, well, I had, when I wasn't doing anything, I was sort of in that space where I was looking for, like, how can I help? What can I do? And my cousin does refugee resettlement for the International Rescue Committee. And so he was like, you can help here. You know, like, just was someone who said, please come help. And so I started working with them uh, and sort of opened my eyes to the larger refugee crisis going on around the world. And then the big aha moment for me was Trump's Access Hollywood tape. I felt like uh, I must be so naive. I must be living in a country that I don't understand. All of a sudden, I felt alone and confused. And then when he won, I was so upset and bewildered. And after sort of crying for three days, I just started calling everyone I knew and said, who's doing something? Who's, who's trying to do something? How can I help? What can I do? And so I just started there. And... Um, Dream Hampton, who is an activist, I heard her speaking to John Legend, actually in a podcast, and she had said that Legend was interested in getting involved in the uh, incarceration reform movement, and what should he do? And she told him he should listen for a year before he says anything. And so I thought, oh, and she said, you show up all the time. Every time you're asked, you show up, you show up, you show up, and listen. And so... Once I'd called everybody to say, what's going on? How can I help? Then I just started showing up and listening. So were you traveling? What, what, what did that look like? I mean, showing up, I mean, these are things, protests are happening across the country. I started traveling. So like there was the march from Charlottesville to DC. Remember that after Charlottesville happened? And so I heard about this march where people were marching against white supremacy. So I flew into the march and started marching. And I learned protest songs, and I met all these people from other orgs and other parts of the country. And then, um, then the Doug Jones special election yeah. happened, and he seemed like a good candidate, and I knew people with money, so I thought, let me see if I can connect somehow to Alabama and offer my assistance for fundraising. And we got so connected that I flew down to Alabama and was driving people to the polls on election day. And so I just kept looking. <laughs> I just kept looking for places where I could be of service to people and causes that I believed in, and then trying to get there. That's so interesting because you know there is something of a unfortunate tradition, almost in American activism, where once once a, uh, an event or an issue becomes the center of attention, a lot of the white ladies zoom in to take over and 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 there's not a lot of attention paid to I'm going to go and listen I'm going to let the people who've been marginalized be the ones to lead me actually before I went down to Alabama 
I got involved in supporting Jones, and then a really smart woman who teaches at the new school said, I said, like, I might go down to Alabama and drive people to the polls. And she said, you better learn a lot more about Alabama before you go down there. And I was like, okay. She, she was like, I would start with these five grassroots organizations who've been working for decades for change for women of color and rural women in Alabama. And she was like, you need to learn all about them. You need to find out what they're doing, and you need to find out how you can support them. Like, yeah, so especially as a celebrity, like the impulse is, I mean, I imagine one reason that one travels that journey is you like being the center of attention, or at least it's okay with you and are attracted to, that, to being in the center of things. So what does it feel like to, try to make a conscious decision to st step back? It feels a lot better, actually. I'm not that comfortable being the center of attention. It just comes with the job. And what I recognize is that my platform is my privilege. And so I can, this thing, like a press line that I was kind of uncomfortable with, you know, or like when they say, what are you wearing? Or who are you wearing? Or whatever that stupid question is. And I don't have to answer that question. I can use this press line to like talk about something else. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. I like, Especially I like, if you buy your own dress, you don't have to say anything about it. Like, I'm wearing my own dress. I'm worried about Alabama. Who's ever interviewed a celebrity knows they don't answer your questions anyway. So no. like, why not? Just They're very like, like politicians in that way. They just yeah, put it to whatever right. they want to talk about. Well, I just want to remind the audience that if you have a question for Piper, uh, tweet at us at, with hashtag rule with us. And I have a handy iPad on stage and I know how to use it. So um, I want to talk a little bit about that though, because I want to bring up what I think Anna Marie brings up an important kind of point, which is like, you didn't feel like you knew enough. That can be kind of paralyzing, right? Like, I don't know, you felt like you had to research five different things. I mean, how did you feel like finally you were educated enough that, all right, now I can like jump in, I'm here. I'm never going to be educated enough. But it's part of like my nature is that I'm curious. And also, I don't want to show up like some dummy on the ground, you know, like, oh, I bought my car. It's like, how about no, like what's going on? What are the universities? What are the organizations within those universities? Like who's already doing the work and then start listening to them. And then that's how you're gonna really understand what's going on. Like no one wants you to come down and invent some new org. Like that's annoying. So what have you learned? What are, what are some of the surprises you've had along the way? Or maybe just things you didn't realize, not so much surprise, but like a depth of understanding that you thought you understood something, but really you didn't understand. I mean, I think like, privilege is something that I'm still trying to understand. And like, I was invited to speak at a thing in New York. I live in New York and they vote in New York. And I was invited to speak about, uh, speak at a event that was talking about women who are incarcerated at Rikers. And I was saying this to a friend of mine who's an um, environmental policy advisor and a woman of color, and she said, why did they ask you to speak? Mm -hmm. And I said, um, I don't know. And she said, is that a real issue of yours, incarcerated women at Rikers? And I said, uh, no, I don't really know that much about it. I'm gonna have to learn a lot before I speak. And she said, that's your privilege. And you need to tell them that if you're gonna come and speak, you." will only come if you bring someone who is at the front of that fight and who does know what they're talking about and you need to like make space for them. <laughs> I think that's one of the hardest things for people with privilege to understand that it actually means sometimes stepping back. 
that there is, there is, that you're going to get your chances. Like your chances are going to come. <laughs> I mean, I think you see it sometimes, like I, right in the beginning, or right near the end, it hasn't ended, but near the end of the big first movement of Occupy, when you, there were like these protests going on in New York, where there's a rule, a law in New York that you can't, you need a permit to have amplified sound. So if you're going to do a protest, you can only speak as loud as your own voice will carry. And there are these huge protests happening. And so they do this thing called human microphone. I'm sure some of you know this, where the person speaking has to speak in short sentences, and then it's repeated backwards across the crowd. And one thing that it does is makes the person who's speaking like stay on point, <laughs> not go on and on about this one time. But also, it makes everyone in the crowd repeat the sentences of the speaker. So if you even go to that protest by saying those phrases out loud, I think you start to understand things in a different way, like coming out of your mouth. That was really surprising for me. Talk about, so you get kind of educated, Trump is the catalyst for you in terms of what kind of bring, brings your activism to a new level. But really, things escalated for you around the Brett Kavanaugh hearings. You came to Washington. What was that experience like? So when, when Sessions and Trump were going to get rid of DACA, I was really upset about that. And I live in New York, and there were protests going on in front of Trump Tower, and a woman that I know in the immigration movement called me and said, do you want to go get arrested tomorrow? And I was like, um, let me think about yeah, that. Let's get a coffee, sure. And I said, and I, I said, I don't know. I don't know if I do. And she said, well, there's going to be a training on how to get arrested tonight. Do you want to go to that? And I said, yeah, I want to go to that. And so I went kind of to meet like people, like who goes to a how to get arrested training? Like I kind of just want to like know you guys, you know what I mean? And I decided that I didn't want to get arrested the next day, but in the end I ended up holding the safe space for people who were getting arrested so that the press can see what's going on. So you need to build like hold back crowds. But then I knew how to get arrested. And so when Kavanaugh came up, it was before Dr. Blasey Ford came forward. And I'm sure we all have different opinions in this room, but like, I, I mean, the, the president is an unindicted co-conspirator in a felony investigation, and I don't think he should be appointing Supreme Court justices until that's been settled. So I was like, uh, especially I don't want this guy who's going to take away Roe v. Wade. So I thought, oh, this is when I used that arrest thing that I learned. <laughs> and I knew a bunch of women were going to stand up and disrupt and say why they disagreed. And I thought, I'm going to do that and see. I didn't really know what was going to happen, but I decided, like, you know, you get to a point sometimes where you're like, not today. Like, that was my day. So, I mean, I, what does that mean? How did it go down for you? Where was it? Uh, so, it's different getting arrested all over the country. Obviously, like, the laws are different. And when you're in a federal building or whether you're in a public building or whether you're on public property, like, the laws change. So, if you're going to get arrested, you should really maybe go to a training or ask somebody who's been arrested so that you sort of know what's going to happen. <laughs> so, they, in the Senate hearings for the Supreme Court justice, 23 citizens are allowed to, or Americans are allowed to watch. And so you have to get online. And we got online like in the dawn light and they were going to let us in 23 at a time. And I knew that I could get arrested. So I had bail money in cash and my driver's license. Um, I was a Girl Scout in one pocket <laughs> and then bail money for somebody else in case somebody else needed money in the other pocket and like a cell phone battery in my cell phone. And that's, and I knew why I was opposed to Kavanaugh. And so when I got my chance to stand up and say, I knew five to 10 sentences, I thought I'll never even get, I got out like two sentences. 
I mean, like, that's all I knew going in, was like, and I'm going to stand up and start talking. It was really scary. <laughs> it was really scary. For a lot of us, um, the Kavanaugh hearings and the desire to oppose them was really personal. Was it personal for you? It was personal for me because my bodily autonomy is very personal to me. And I believe that women and men have fought for this since before I was born. And that was a lot of work. And I'm not just going to sit there silently while somebody takes it away. And I believe that silence is consent. Mm -hmm. Um, I get to leave the applause. The future is coming. Make it brighter with Squarespace. Turn your cool idea into a new website. This is something that I have done with Squarespace before they were a sponsor of the show. I had a cool idea, which is I should probably have a website to promote my stuff because I own honorycox.com. And so I finally got my, you know, stuff together and I I started it. I started the website and it's been really um, easy to do and easy to update, which is why I feel bad for not updating it as often as I should. Squarespace makes it so easy. Like they make it so easy that I've actually thought about doing other stuff with it. Like maybe I should sell things. Would you guys be interested in buying like me reading bedtime stories or something like that? How would that go over? I could try it with Squarespace. So uh, do whatever you want with your URL. You can buy it through them, or if you have one that you're just sitting on like I was, it's easy to port over. Just go to squarespace.com slash friends for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code friends to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash friends and friends as the offer code to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Keep dreaming, but make it a reality with a website from Squarespace. In Washington, the story often ends when Congress passes a law. For The Impact, that's where the story begins. The Impact from Vox is a podcast about the way policies shape people's lives. Last season, Sarah Cliff did what she does best, examine the way that healthcare policy has impacted millions of Americans. This season, she's traveling the country to report on some of the most interesting policy experiments happening today, looking at cities and states as laboratories of democracy wrestling with serious problems and experimenting with bold solutions. From democracy vouchers in Seattle to education in Vermont to housing in Baltimore, you're going to want to go on this journey with Sarah Cliff. You might know her from the Weeds, Vox's policy podcast. But the impact is more like this show. It's about what happens when these things actually intersect in people's lives. So follow Sarah Cliff as she follows policymakers who've designed these experiments and the people whose lives have been changed by them. Listen and subscribe to The Impact by Vox right now on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. There is a part of activism that's yelling and that's, you know, chaining your body to whatever and, and, and going and marching. And then there's another part of activism, which is sometimes more difficult, which is what happens in our personal lives. How, does your, how do your values and your activism show up in those relationships? <clears throat> it's challenging. I mean, like, I'm sure for all of us, like, going home for Thanksgiving, especially with extended family that we don't have these conversations with all the time, like, Thanksgiving now is so fraught because you're like, hi. <laughs> so, like, not a huge fan of Thanksgiving right now. But um, one of the things that was really interesting about it, actually, is I was 
some ways concerned about how it would affect my work relationships that I was getting so active and so loud. And I mean, everybody's business is different. And so some businesses that's a big deal and some businesses that's not. But in my business, I've seen men get a DUI and get a giant franchise movie right away. And I thought, well, then I'm going to get active. And like, I'm not going to worry about that. And in fact, I found that like by getting active, so many more people in my industry were reaching out to me. Like it strengthened my business relationships because people know where I stand and that I'm serious about it. I'm curious, so does that mean that Hollywood is not as liberal as we think it is? That's a stereotype, but you're saying that you were worried your activism was going to... I think like being like saying you're a liberal and like getting arrested for what you believe in are two different things, you know? And some people are happy to like write a check, but they're like, ooh, the show's gonna open like next week, maybe don't say anything about blah, blah, blah. Like yeah. when the rubber meets the road, I think that's where like the businesses are similar. It's like, you know, if you're like at some march and your boss doesn't know about it, like no problem. But once it starts to get present, that's when I get a little, I was a little nervous about Hollywood there. I want to ask you about using your platform. So obviously you were concerned about the business side of things, but then there's fans and there's, you know, celebrities using their platform can often are criticized for it on Twitter, on all kinds of things. How did you respond to that? Did you get a lot of criticism? I got some criticism, not as much as I thought. And also like the cool thing about social media is like mute, 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 mute. <laughs> I don't even, I shouldn't even say this because now everybody's going to be like, Wah. but like, I don't even block you because then you know I read you. I just <laughs> mute you so that you are screaming into a void and then like you're using that energy and you're not using it against somebody else. I really recommend the mute button. <laughs> um, but it's been like, uh, it's been really useful for me social media too because it's how I'm learning about other women, other causes, other groups, where they're fighting, who they support. It's incredible, social media. It's like, I'm not gonna give up on it. I don't know. I talked to marginalized groups about Twitter and actually, I think my view was always like, oh, they're gonna complain about harassment. But a lot of times it's, no, this is how I found other people. Yeah. The disability rights group, you know, trans women, like. And actually, it was a trans I wouldn't, I didn't know that these things existed, that these communities existed until like I stumbled into them. A trans woman said to me, I was sitting in a meeting with her and she said, you need to look at all the people you follow on Twitter. And if they all look like you, like that's really fucked up. She's like, you need to make sure you start following people that aren't like you so that you can learn about them. Look at this like free safe place where you can read all our inner thoughts, all we care about, all the things that upset us. And then I was like, oh, right. And so I just started like putting all these new people in my feed. And it really expands your understanding of what's going on. I have a friend, Anil Dash, who's wonderful. And you should follow him on Twitter. And what's interesting about him on Twitter is he doesn't retweet men. Oh. And one time I said, oh, I, I described it as, oh, my friend Anil Dash, he only retweets women. And he was like, nope, I got schooled on that. It's not men. I retweet anyone who's not a self-identified man. Interesting. So transgender, mm -hmm. you know, fluid gender, whatever. Like, I think that's such an interesting way to like frame that privilege mm -hmm. too. And I tried it and it's hard. <laughs> um, it is, it is. Like we just don't Can you heart it. them? <laughs> I don't know, you have to ask Neil. Okay, I'm gonna um, the rules are. <laughs> but I, I tried it for a day and it's just, you, it, it brings to mind sort of like see who you follow and if they look like you. Mm -hmm. See who you retweet and see what they look like. That's really interesting. Hmm. Thanks. I wanna, I wanna ask about the theoretical, you said to me in our conversation, you know, we can no longer be just theoretical in our activism and holding our beliefs personal. A lot of this 
conference and the summit is about accountability? Is it about taking action, kind of actionable takeaways for the people here to leave today and next week or throughout the next year until the next summit? Uh, can they can do stuff? What, what's your takeaway? What's your, how can they get actually active? So, okay, I'm like so excited you asked this question. <laughs> um, I feel, there, I have three answers. One is, if you're that person who's sitting in the audience, you're like, but I don't know what to be active about, which is where I was at one point. There are two things that are happening that I think um, could have, should have bipartisan, bipartisan support by all of us. Um, the Violence Against Women Act is about to expire, and which would mean defunding it. And that's um, a thing that supports um, um, women who've been through domestic violence, sexual violence, rape crisis centers, legal assistance. Like, I think we all agree we should like make sure those people are okay. And so defunding it, especially in this moment, doesn't make any sense. And so I feel like that's something we could all fight for. Also, the ERA is one state away from being ratified. And when I tell that to people, some people are like, I thought we passed the ERA. Tell them what the, the, the Equal Rights Amendment. Equal Rights yeah. Amendment, which you, gives everyone equal protection under the law, regardless of gender, go. Oh, no, I was just going to say, <laughs> I think some people think of that, oh, that happened in the 70s. No, right. it didn't happen in it the 70s. It didn't happen. Like, that was we're one state away. We just got Nevada and Illinois. And the states that they're thinking could be the, ne the final 38 state that we need are Arizona, North Carolina, and Virginia. So especially if you're from one of those states. And, like, Virginia's real close. So, like, I'm sure there are some people people in here from Virginia, like that is a fight we need you in. It would be so exciting to do this constitutional amendment. Like it's, it's all, and it's almost done. Like there are some things you're gonna have to go work on in activism that is gonna be so much work. It's such a drag. It's gonna take so long to take your whole lifetime, blah, blah, blah. This one, like we get one more state and there's gonna be like a giant party. So like make sure you get invited to the party and like <laughs> do the final state for the ERA. <laughs> and then if you don't wanna work on those two, speaking to so many women at this conference, there are so many smart people in here. And and I read the statistic recently, I'm probably gonna get the number wrong, but I think it's 82% of op-eds are written by straight white men. And I think when we get into this year, I mean, there are gonna be legis state legislatures elected this year, but in this non-election year, one way that we can harness the, and continue the energy that we've built in the midterms and make sure these conversations continue in our communities is that smart women start writing op-eds in their local paper. You're all so smart. You have so many, so much expertise, and you definitely have opinions, and that's all you need to write an op-ed. And if you do a march through your town or you protest in front of your assemblyman's office, only so many people see that. But an op-ed really brings up a conversation in your community that smart people who are different backgrounds but all read the newspaper are then talking about, and they know you care about that. They'll come find you. So I really think op-eds is a place where, like, all these smart women can bring so many ideas into, right back into the communities right now. Yeah, and being smart and having expertise is actually optional for a lot of op-ed writers. So. <laughs> totally. So I think these women can bring all of that to the table. So that's, You'll get your op-eds published like right away if you're in this room and you write an op-ed. You know, I want to point out on the ERA actually just to blow everyone's mind about just how weird it is that it wasn't passed. There, you know, Colorado only just uh, uh, criminalized slavery or like made slavery illegal in their state this past um, mid midterm. So there are states still catching up from the Civil War, but we haven't passed up we haven't passed the Equal Rights Amendment. I know. It would jump us forward on so many things. And it's just like our representation I don't, I is important. I shouldn't like 
this to that. I shouldn't. Okay. I shrugged my shoulders. I threw up my hands. That's not the thing to do. One doesn't throw up one's hands. Yes, one raises one's fist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, talk about what fuels you to keep going. I think that's one of the questions that, I mean, you're obviously very passionate and you've been protesting, but, you know, there's fatigue. And I think there's a real fatigue from the Trump factor. It's hard for a lot of people I talk to all the time about staying on 10 all the time. You know, how do you make sure they, all right, I'm going to I'm going to come to the Women Rule Summit. I'm going to come and I'm going to march again. I'm going to keep going. I mean, partly it's like who I am as a person. Like, if you're a curious person, it's fun. it's so fun to go into a room like this and all the random women who aren't on their phone <laughs> who are, like, you can talk to in the lobby. And when you see, like, on your name tag, like, oh, I don't even know what that company does. Like, I'm a curious person. And so going into these spaces, like, how to get arrested training, that's really interesting to me. Like, I kind of want to just go look around and meet all these smart people. I think also um, there's this podcast, I don't even think it's on anymore, called Politically Reactive with Kamau Bell Bell, and Marie. And after the election, I remember Kamau was like, this is going to be a a lot of work and you're all going to get really tired. (laughs) He was like, especially those of you who haven't fought before, you're going to feel really tired because you've never fought like this before. But although like there are days when I feel really disheartened and pissed off. I also, I'm so excited to be living in a time of change. And I think that's why it's so uncomfortable is because we're in real change right now. And that's why we're so exhausted and uncomfortable. Like we're living through an important moment in history. Like be a part of it. When you're like somebody's grandma and they ask you like, oh my gosh, like what, what was that like? Did you march? Be able to say like, yeah. It's cool. It's important. Yeah. Life insurance is not a fun topic. Most people do not like to think about dying, and they definitely don't like thinking about insurance. I come from a family of actuaries, so I know this better than most. But actually having life insurance feels pretty great. It makes you feel like an adult. And getting that peace of mind doesn't have to be complicated. Policy Genius is an easy way to get life insurance in minutes. You can compare quotes from top insurers to find the coverage you need at a price you can't afford. From there, you can apply online and the unbiased advisors at Policy Genius will handle all the red tape, leaving you free to do the things you actually enjoy. And Policy Genius doesn't just make life insurance easy. Whether you're shopping for disability insurance to protect your income, homeowner's insurance, or auto insurance, they can help you get covered fast. If you've been intimidated or frustrated by insurance in the past, or if you just haven't wanted to think about it, give Policy Genius a try. Just go to policygenius.com to get your quotes and apply in minutes. You can do the whole thing on your phone right now. Policy Genius, the easy way to compare and buy life insurance. As you know, The holidays are the busiest time of the year, especially at the post office. And that is why I use stamps.com. It saves a lot of time and hassle during the hectic holiday season. Stamps.com brings all the services of the U.S. post office right to your desktop. Buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, any class of mail using your own computer and printer. And the mail carrier picks it up. There are no trips to the post office required. It couldn't be easier. Print postage any day, anytime on your schedule. That is the thing that they always emphasize and for some reason isn't emphasized as usual right now on your schedule. Like if you want to wait to the last minute to mail stuff, you can do that with stamps.com. 
And it's not like you you don't have to go and like feel uh, guilty standing in line. You just, you know, feel guilty uh, doing it on your computer or don't feel guilty. Do it like do it early because it's so easy. Use stamps.com. And right now you can enjoy stamps.com with a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale without long-term commitments. Go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in friends. That's stamps.com and enter friends. I wonder if there are particular connections or moments you've had that have been especially meaningful for you in this time. You mean like inactivism? Yeah. Although I guess maybe more than that too, if that's the right answer. There's one activist named Audie Barkin who is dying of ALS. And the first time I became aware of him, he's the one who confronted Jeff Flake on the plane about why he was going to get rid of the Affordable Care Act. And I thought that was so brave. I think he was on Pod Save America. And that was the first time I... I heard him talking and I, did, I was like, what's going on with this guy's voice? Because I just listened to the podcast. And then they said later that he has ALS. And not only is he a charismatic and smart leader, but he's literally using his dying days to try and improve this country. That's really inspiring. And it really makes you feel like I could probably do more. <laughs> you know? And so like meeting someone like Audie Barkin was really cool. Now I've like marched beside him and <clears throat> I think he's like inspiring. So obviously we're talking about your passion and, and you've talked about getting involved and we have to li- talk a little bit about how, what that's meant in your industry. Um, I'm wondering about your influence on your colleagues. Like how, <laughs> you got excited. <laughs> so are you, are you dragging people pick, picking and screaming? Are you recruiting them? Are you, are you an evangelist? Um, I mean, like, just causes? like in, in this room, like how I'm talking about how to get arrested. Like, I think there is, um, within my industry, people who are influencers have the ability to like pull the spotlight over here, pull the attention over here. And that's a real power that you have. And you should use it. And I don't even necessarily need to tell them what they have to use it for, but I think it's just intimidating. Like, I never door knocked until this midterm election. I was so afraid to door knock. Like, I thought people are gonna ask me about, like, tax legislation or, like, I, like stuff I don't, like, know that much about. And I don't want to get in an argument with somebody, like, at their house. What if their kids are home? Or, like, I don't But then I went and learned about door knocking, and it's not that scary, and you only door knock for the party of the candidate you're supporting. <laughs> so you're not gonna get in an argument with somebody because they're like, oh yeah, I'm voting for her. Oh, okay, thanks so much. Here's the voting information. Like, have a great day. So I think like a lot of it with my colleagues is just like giving them the information to not be afraid, mm-hmm. just to, so they know what it really is. Even if you're a movie star, like you can phone bank. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like maybe you can't go door to door if you're. You well, might. Oprah went door to door. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if Oprah went door to door. So I don't know. You're, then you yeah. can't be more famous than her. So yeah. get to work. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I was going to say, like, I think that a stereotypical response might be that, aren't you worried about getting recognized? I think some people are worried about not getting recognized, probably. Uh, both happen um, to me. Like, sometimes <laughs> I knock on people's doors and they're like, oh, my God. And other times they're like, How did, what are you doing here? Yeah. Like, oh, my God, you don't know who I am. Like, b- both is weird. Yeah, I'm sure. Like, it's being a regular human, which yeah. is sometimes. And that's the same for everybody. You know, like, 
it's awkward and you knock on people's doors and you're trying to talk to them and you do your best and sometimes they're nice to you and like sometimes people slam their door in my face. One lady slammed her door in my face so hard, she slammed it and then she opened it up more than she had the whole time just so she could <laughs> slam it harder in my face. So that person was mismarked on the... Um, I literally put like, yeah, not no, voting yeah, for right. Okay. Um, what is the most successful... Um, evangelistic moment you've had? Like if there's someone, you don't have to name names, mm -hmm. but I'm curious about your turnover rate here, like your completion rate of like getting people involved and, and how you do it. I mean, like there's a lot of people I'm working on <laughs> <laughs> because part of it takes time mm -hmm. and part of it takes proving that like I'm out here doing it and I haven't lost my job and like I still can be on TV shows and movies and you're not so mad at me that like I'll never get a job again. And so I have to do it a lot for them to not be afraid of that. But um, I've had some successes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I said I would, you didn't have to name names, so I guess I, I can't. I mean, like, look around at who's talking. And also, like, you know, the new people that are talking. I mean, I still feel like I'm in the new group. Right. You know? And so I'm also supporting the people who, you know, pulled me into it. Is Twitter part of the baby steps of this? Do you, I mean, could some people like I make fun of like Twitter activism, but I know that like when I've been retweeted by a famous person on some issue, mm -hmm. like it does like I mean, it can blow something up. It can I mean, really, it blows like, like sometimes there's like a journalist or a writer who like Cass Sunstein, you know that I, congressional yeah. scholar, and he retweeted me one time, and I was like, oh, <laughs> oh my gosh, like he is so smart. Wow. Then I was like, I'm going to learn more about the Constitution <laughs> in case I run into him like I have something to say. Okay. Okay. For me, that was like that, that was big. the greatest. I, that is a first. <laughs> um, we are almost out of time, but I, I do want to, on that note, because I don't know how we, that was a peak really, yeah. in the conversation. <laughs> but I do Wait till we tell Cass. I, I mean, like, that's oh going to be. Oh, gosh, please yeah. tell him. I'm going to get a huge fan. <laughs> I, I want to, you, you talked about the three things that are coming up, but for you, what's next for you? What are you focused on kind of in the next kind of coming weeks, months? What I'm really focused on is a couple of things. I'm like in the immediate future, I'm focused on voting and election reform in New York State. We have like there's legislation written. Uh, we have uh, finally like a true blue New York and I it's embarrassing to be a New Yorker and like no offense to anybody here from Idaho but you have better voting laws than we do and how can I have my like New York swag on when my voting laws are so old like I feel like an idiot so I'm working on that immediately then there's all kinds of state legislature races that are going to come up in 2019 and I want to make sure that there are state laws passed especially in these states where young people registered and got active this year. I feel like getting your candidate in isn't really the win. What you need is the law to change to feel like your vote, your activism did something. And so I really want those like legislative wins for these young people because I really want them to stay active into 2020. And that's a little ways away, so we gotta like keep the momentum. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, unfortunately, we are out of time. Anna, thank you so much for thank joining you. us today on the Women Rule Summit for our live podcast. It was a lot of fun, and thank you, Piper, for sharing your journey in activism and also the practical advice about how to engage productively at the ground level and to enact change. So, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. So, this is gonna get a little real. 
I'm recording this on Thursday, December 13th. And I usually don't say the day I record this on. I don't know. I, I guess I usually feel that I keep it somewhat mysterious. It'll have this illusion of timelessness that will keep the show fresh if you ever want to binge on it or re-listen to it. But today is an important day because my mom would have been 77 years old today. I've spoken about her a bit in the past. We didn't have a great relationship, mostly because we were both active alcoholics for the majority of it. But I did always know that she was a pretty extraordinary woman. Almost all of my best traits come from her. She was a reader, a writer, a word person who loved bad puns and good jokes. She was curious and opinionated. She was stylish and quick-witted. She was a total ham who could light up a room when she wanted to. And to my great frustration, all of my adolescent friends really adored her. She was a cool mom who told dirty jokes and let my high school age friends drink if they promised not to drive. A lot of my worst traits come from her too. She was needy and insecure. She was demanding and ruthless. She could be petty and vicious. And she was also an alcoholic. We both started trying to get sober around the same time. And in fact, I went to the same rehab she did, maybe about a year uh, after her. We had so much in common, we actually couldn't really love each other the way that we probably should have unconditionally, because that would have meant loving ourselves unconditionally. I think she wound up dying because she refused to love herself, even when that was the only option she had left. Technically, she died because she had cirrhosis and she just couldn't stop drinking. But the way that I see it, she couldn't stop drinking because she didn't think she deserved anything better. Look at what I've done to myself. She told me once, kind of late in the game, when her cognitive skills were starting to go and she needed a walker to get around. It's too late, she told me. I'm too old. It only got worse, of course. By the time she died, she was in a nursing home, wearing diapers, and unable to recognize me. And at that point, it probably was too late. But I think a lot about the time between when she had trouble playing Scrabble and when she didn't know who I was. When she used all the genius she had left figuring out how to relapse again and again. It was a little over a year and it wasn't long enough. I wish she realized that she was worth saving at every step along the way. I tried for a long time to come up with a pretty way to put this last part, and I, I can't. It's a cliche and it's obvious, but I, I'm going to put it this way. It is never too late. It is never too late to decide that you're worth saving, that you are worthy of love, especially your own. 
If you ever find yourself in a position where you feel overwhelmed or outmatched, when you look at the long list of things you want to do or might have done, and you can only think about how much less you are than you wish you were, please, it is never too late to decide you're good enough to be loved right now. As I was flying into LA today, um, I was in that terrible place on the Venn diagram where you have had both too much coffee and not enough coffee. And I had only gotten a little sleep uh, last night. So I decided not to do any like work work on the plane because I I thought I was just too tired. I was just going to like rest myself for a little while. And then when we started to land, I picked up my phone and I saw all the news and all the tweets and all the notifications. And there was a part of me that literally felt physically sick. And that sick part of my brain kind of picked up this feeling and ran with it. And in a matter of probably seconds, I was feeling not just like I'd never catch up on the news, but that I'd just never catch up. Too much to do out there. Too many things I've left undone. My friends are all more successful than I am. My enemies are all richer than I am. All the goals I've set for myself are worthless because why the fuck bother? And then I remembered that today would have been Shirley's birthday. Would have been my mom's birthday. And I decided I had better love myself just as I am. Because that's what she would want for me. And because I can't think of a better gift to give her. And that is the only gift I ask from you, dear listeners, this holiday season. Love yourselves. It is not cheap. Loving yourself is difficult. And loving yourself can be hard to find. Loving yourself is difficult And love for yourself can be hard to find, especially this time of year. Stores do not stock it. There is no offer code. But I promise you that it's worth it. Happy holidays. And we will see you next week. Take care of yourselves. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. Hey, it's me, your barista. You know how you come in almost every day for our cold foam coffee? Well, now there's an easy way to foam at home with new International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. And it's foaming delicious. New International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. Now in stores. It's foaming delicious. 